Alright, Matthew chapter 1. You can find a brief account of this in Luke, but we have more details in the book of Matthew uh, than we do. We're going to talk about this subject this morning, take it like a man. We give you a question, what does it mean to be a man? We've heard that before, right? Little boys are growing up, take it like a man. Little boy falls down, mom comes and she, you know, takes care of his skin knee and dad usually says something like, shake it off, Right? There's a difference. Boys are told, be tough. Be a man. Several years ago, there was a series of television commercials, and it was, who's the man, right? I'm the man. You're the man. Who's the man? What is a man? That's a question. And we've got a lot of people today in the world, and they, they, they're trying, especially, you know, you've got a group of guys just saying, I want to be a man, but how do I actually, what is a man? I was at a camp out several years ago, and it was a, just all guys, all guys. This was in in the uh, eastern part of Texas, and we were there. And for some reason, where we were was like armadillo capital of the world. You know what I'm talking about? Like it was Texas. There was armadillos everywhere. And uh, a few of the guys had brought some guns to the camp out. And most of the guys, we had a German, we had a Tanzanian, we had Texans, and we had a guy from Cleveland, Ohio, whose outdoor experience pretty much consisted of going to the park. All right? And he actually played uh, indoor football, just a really built guy. But he got really scared. He heard scurrying all around us and, you know, boom, boom, I got another one. You know, and armadillos. And then these guys, they got the armadillos three or four and just kind of put, this is grossing some of y'all out. This is a redneck beginning to a sermon, all right, just to let you know. Put these armadillos over here and, and, and then they started putting little thoughts of doubt in Leo's mind. You've got to understand, Leo is a jacked, well-built, strong guy. Played arena football. He would do pull-ups, and he would do an L pull-up, right? Like his feet are directly out. His abs are having to hold his legs up and just sit there, boom, 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 repping off pull-ups. We begin to get very, very nervous. Now, some of you guys, you know how it is when the big, strong guy gets nervous? It's fun, isn't it? Right? It's really fun. You're like, this is going to be good. So they begin to say stuff like, well, you know, I, have you heard of it lately? No, but I think it was last week he came through. Who came through? The cougar came through. Leo's like, oh, like, no way. And he starts getting scared and they're putting all these stories in his head. And so we, we go out on a walk and he's got a machete, you know, man, dog, I don't, I don't like this, you know, and he's from, he's there and he's, he's not enjoying it. And then when we're back at the fire, he's never been around guns before. So one of my friends gets a firecracker and he's got it in his hand here and he says, guys, y'all need to be careful that none of your bullets fall in the fire because if your bullets fall in the fire, there could be bullets going off and somebody could get killed. So when Leo's not looking, my friend Aaron goes, whoop, puts a little, now our pranksters, pranksters are with me, all right? Our pranksters are with me. You guys are tracking. Our serious people are like, that is so terrible, all right? He throws in the firecracker, boom, it goes off and a little piece of wood from the fire goes by Leo's ear and he flips out. I mean, we're talking A1, capital, all caps, flip out. He starts going, oh man, I almost got shot. I told you guys you should be careful when the bullet fell on the fire. He gets on the phone and starts calling everybody in his phone book. Yo, man, God is so good. God is so good. A bullet fell on the fire and it went by my ear. I thought I was going to die. And then I was waiting to see if my friend Aaron was going to tell him. And he never did. 
So the whole time he was like, Lord, praise your name, Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I saw Aaron in the, in the gym about a month afterward. I said, so when did you tell Leo? He says, I haven't. It's like, oh, no, that's beyond a joke. But one of the things that the rest of the guys were saying to him the whole night was be a man. What is a man? Looked it up in Merriam-Webster's Collegiate Dictionary. Manhood is the condition of being an adult male as distinguished from a child or female. Another aspect of that is qualities associated with men. I told you guys last week that my brother Justin had gone uh, with a friend to do a cliff jump into, uh, not onto the ground, but on, into water, very deep water. And you can go look on my Facebook account. His friend Isaiah Stratton jumped, it was at least 80 foot, I'm putting it a lot higher, jumped 80 feet off of a cliff into the water. And I just thought that was the most awesome thing in the world. I mean, it's very stupid, Right. Our safety conscious people are like, that's stupid. I, and it's one of those things, I think it's the difference that when I called my mom just to see how things was going, I got an absolute earful. You're telling them that that's the greatest thing in all the world. They're going to go do it more and they're going to get killed and you're going to be responsible. She didn't know. She was not a fan. But I was like, that's manly. A.K.A. stupid. Y'all with me? We normally equate manhood with stupid chances. Like, I can eat 40 hot dogs. I can eat 45. Guys sit down at the table say, let's go, right? That's, in our culture, quote, manly. Or if two guys get into the boxing ring, say, I can hit you in the face. I can hit you harder. I can hit you faster. And we have this, this one-upping version of manhood. And I just want to put a thought into your mind that I think that often much of our, our understanding of what manhood is in American culture is not what true manhood really is. Because think about it like this. If the Bible paints Satan as the great deceiver, the one who wants to deceive us, I believe that Satan can give many of us guys the picture that if manhood is being as hard-hearted as we possibly can, if manhood is hitting as hard as we possibly can, drinking as much as we can, and still staying on our feet, if manhood is involved as making as much money as we can to buy as big of toys as we can, or to get the most beautiful wife that we can so that she's not our love, she's a trophy to show how manly we are, I think that most of us guys, if not whole in part, have caught on to a degenerate, a, 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 a watered-down version of what manhood actually is. And then remember when Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 25, guys... Ladies, y'all are free to listen in this. Ladies, y'all actually enjoy this message because it's going to be an encouragement to the men and also a motivation. But one thing that never helps if you're there with your man, your boyfriend, your husband, is to give the elbow to the side and say, uh-huh. Never helps, all right? But what, remember Jesus said in Luke 9, 25, what does it profit a man if he gains the, help me out, church, if he gains the whole what? Whole world but he loses his very own soul. 
And if you think about it, most of the definition of manhood as popularly as understood today deals with getting the whole world, but it has very little, if any, emphasis upon our soul being saved when we die. So at this point, usually there's guys that say, man, I knew I shouldn't have come to church on Father's Day. Man! Because usually a lot of guys, they say, you know, we come to church on Mother's Day and it's just like, Mother's Day are the greatest thing in the world and, you know, you should love your mom and write her cards and cook her dinner. And then when it's Father's Day, bam, kick in the face. That's what a lot of guys think. Guys, I want to just put a, put, put a thought, put something forward to you to, this morning that true biblical manhood could be, think about it like this. If you're driving towards a mountain range and you see it off in the distance, and we do live in a beautiful area, um, and I'm still getting used to it, because growing up in Louisiana and Florida, whenever you see a levee or whenever you see a very large anthill, that's the mountain, all right? There's not mountains that we have here. But when you're driving towards a beautiful, picturesque, blue ridge-looking mountains and you see it at a distance, even if you're not the sharpest knife in the drawer, you can say, that's a... Mountain. That's a mountain range. But the closer you get to that mountain, you see the little peaks in the valleys, don't you? Right? You see the little house up on, up on the crag, up on the cliff, and you get closer and you see how the valleys come in and go out. That's the way it is, guys, when we pursue Christ. At first we say, you know what? I know what Christ wants me to be, and I'm following Him, I'm obeying Him, I'm struggling, but I'm still, that's my goal to follow Him. And the more we follow Him, the closer we get to Him to see how the details actually work out. So here's what we're going to go for, guys. It's there in your outline. The main idea, the sermon in a sentence, the heart of the text, is that a real man must first die to himself in order to live to Christ. A real man, a true man, a genuine man, a man who's not going to back down, must first die to himself in order to live to Christ. And I want to give you, normally we don't do strict outlines, we just walk through the text. We're going to look at the life of Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. And I want to point out to you five characteristics about Joseph that qualifies him as being a true man. And when you look deeper into these characteristics, I want you to do with the thought in mind that this is the heart of Jesus. So let's do that, beginning there in Matthew chapter 1, in verse number 19. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. little background on this. The her is Mary. The one who would receive, who would give birth to the Son of God. She had never been with a man before. She was a virgin. But supernaturally, as we studied last week, the Holy Spirit caused her to conceive without having to come together with a man. It's a supernatural thing. And if you're like, man, I don't really believe in miracles, supernatural things, we encourage you to go back. We actually have the PDF online to deal with David Hume um, and his skepticism against miracles. And also you can listen to it there as well. But you've got this girl, and she's basically, our, our understanding would be like super engagement, Right? For here, if you get engaged, then that means that you're going to get married. In their time, they had something called betrothal. And if you were betrothed, you were considered married, but you hadn't actually consummated the wedding yet or the marriage. And so here you are. Imagine, guys, you're Joseph. 
You're working with your hands. You're trying to bring home the bacon. You've got this great girl, and her name is Mary. And it's apparent from the text that Joseph cared for her, right? And you're like, you know, this is going to be great. We're going to be married. And all of a sudden, she gives you the words that literally cause you inside to hit your knees. She says, I'm pregnant. Just stop. Guys, you know it's not you. You're engaged, you're betrothed, and you're going to get married. And she comes and she says, got some news to break to you. I'm pregnant. At that point, virtually any normal man would be crushed. But then, more than likely, the explanation was given. God did it. Your, your fiancé comes to you and she says, I'm pregnant, but I didn't have sex. God did this. Back up just a minute. How many guys would really believe that? I, I mean, this is, the old, right, this is the only time a virgin is conceived in that time and ever, and your girlfriend comes and she says, I'm pregnant, but I didn't sleep with the guy. I didn't have some procedure done. God caused me to be pregnant outside of a sexual relationship. Not only would you be crushed, most guys would be pretty hacked off, right? Like, okay, I kind of took biology 101. I know how this works, and that's not going to fly. But no, notice, notice Joseph's reaction, what he didn't do. He didn't fly off the handle, but it says, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, he resolved to put her away or to divorce her quietly. You know what a lot of guys would do that would be insecure? They'd totally fly off the handle, right? Like say, how in the world could you treat me this way? Number one, you cheated on me. That's anathema. You're gone. Number and secondly, you're gonna sit here and lie to me and tell me that God did this? Like, do you guys catch how ludicrous that would sound if you're Joseph? Like you, you think not only you don't care about me, but you think that I'm a joke. You think I'm an idiot. You think that I'm going to really believe that God came to you and Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, God fulfilled that in you and this is like God inside you? Are you smoking crack? Are you serious? You are a joke. Can you just imagine how angry he would have been? But notice it says that he was a just man. The first aspect, I believe, before us guys, we come to the point of being a true man is we must be, first off, willing to give grace. Willing to give grace. You know what he could have done? He could have brought her in front of all of the people and said, this is my wife. And he would have definitely had the upper hand because women were not looked on very well in that day and time. And put her over, separated from him and say, she was unfaithful to me. In fact, she could have actually been stoned. Under the law of the day, he could have been totally right. Talk in terms of families. There's a lot of things that you could be legally justified in doing in terms of family relationships. But I want to encourage you, men, are you willing to give grace? Willing to give grace. You know, a lot of our concept of being a guy means the toughest, tougher guy you are, the more rear ends you kick, the better you are at being a man. I want to give you a short poem here. I don't normally do this. This is contrasting Alexander the Great and Jesus. Here's how it goes. Jesus and Alexander died at 33. One lived and died for self. One died for you and me. The Greek died on a throne. The Jew died on a cross. One's life triumph seemed. The other a loss. One led armies forth. The other walked alone. One shed a whole world's blood. 
and the other gave his own. One won the world in life and lost it all in death. The other lost his life to win the whole world's faith. Jesus and Alexander died at 33. One died in Babylon and one on Calvary. One gained all for self and one himself he gave. One conquered every throne and the other every grave. The one made himself God. The God made himself less. The one lived but to blast. The other but to bless. When died the Greek, forever fell his throne to swords. But Jesus died to live forever, the Lord of lords. Then it concludes, Jesus and Alexander died at 33. The Greek made all men slaves. I love this. And the Jew, amen church, made all men free. One built a throne on blood, the other built on love. The one was born of earth and the other from above. One won all this earth to lose all earth and heaven. The other gave up all that all to Him be given. The Greek forever died. The Jew forever lives. He loses all who get and gains all things who gives. It's been said of Alexander the Great who conquered the whole known world that he was able to conquer the world but was not able to conquer himself. And he drank himself to death at a young age. Guys, it does not matter what we conquer on the outside world. The issue is have we given our lives to Christ? Have we been saved? I want to encourage you, no matter what your church affiliation is, if you've been a member here, if you're a guest, have you come to the point to where you have knelt down and laid down? I, I, this makes sense to my mind. If Guys, if we were to get together in a Rocky Mount militia, we're not going to do that, alright? We're not going to you know, get our guns together. But if, if it, we were called upon to, to defend this town, if there was some type of weird scenario and that we were being invaded, and we all got together and said, we're going to protect Franklin County. And we all got together and some guy, guy was there and he, he pulled out, you know, we've got you know, guys over here and Fred Tudor's got an AK-47, you know, Barry C's got an M-16, we're ready to rock and roll. We're not going to let them take us down. And so then the, the, you've got some guy who comes out and he's got a feather duster. He's like, full auto guys, y'all need to just back up. I'm going to knock somebody out with this hog. No, you're not. I think, guys, the reason why some of us have met with so much defeat in life is because we think that manly pride, the bad kind of pride, is actually an M16 when it's actually a feather duster. And we think surrendering and submitting to Christ and falling on our knees in repentance and brokenness and saying, Jesus, I'm willing to do whatever You want me to do. Please save me. Please teach me. I'm willing to follow You. We think that's the feather duster, but that, that is actually, as we had up here, thanks again, Jack, Jack Strickler, you're awesome, to build all of our props with our weapons and our armor. That's actually what we think the feather duster is. That's what our culture tells us is weakness. They say if you follow Christ, you're an emotionally unstable dude. Right? You like go to church and you sit down in the pew and look at that dude up there who gets all crazy and you know and you sing and you cry. You're just weak, man. You're weak. But weakness will be shown, and please hear me, and please hear me very clearly. On the day in which 
God judges the world in righteousness from Acts chapter 17. And this goes to the theme of Scripture. The Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Does not matter, guys, how much weight we can lift, how big of a check we can bring home. Every man and woman who has ever lived will acknowledge Jesus as Lord. So here is the imperative from now until then. Let's just do it now. Amen? Like, like why, why would I push that off and be judged and be sent to hell because I've rejected the grace of God? Why don't I just receive the mercy of God today? Let Him cleanse me. Yes, guys, we've all made mistakes. All of us. All of us have regrets. All of us have things that we wish that we had not done. And we look back and we say, man, I wish I had done this. But guess what? That's what pushes us into the arms of Christ who can forgive. Amen? He can forgive. But if we keep holding on to this feather duster, we're never ever going to be able to become a soldier of Christ. You see, Joseph was willing to give grace. I want you to write down a text and memorize it. This is incredible. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. Paul writes, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. He's there in a rat-infested prison. He's coming to the end of his life. He's got scars on his back from having been beaten. Shipwrecked, and he writes these words to Timothy, a young man. Verse 3 of chapter 2. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Guys, do not think for a second that if you bend your knee in obedience and brokenness to Christ, that you are being a weak man. What you're actually doing is you're kneeling before the King and He's going to raise you up an ironclad warrior for truth. Praise be to God. Because what happens in our world is we are lied to and we are told that we are men if we reject the ultimate man who is Jesus Christ. Secondly, Joseph was a real man and Jesus is Lord because he was willing, notice, to to risk. Look at verse 24. Um, in verse 20 all the way through verse 23, you've got the angel who's telling him, for example, look at verse number 20. As he considered these things, Joseph's thinking, the word here in the Greek means to process intently. He's overdrive thinking about all of this. And behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So he's like, the angel's saying, she's not lying. Verse 21, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For Now this is crazy. For he will save his people from their sins. And then in verse 22 and 23, he goes back to Isaiah and tells Joseph that it's a fulfillment of prophecy. Then in verse 24, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did... Notice he didn't say, he didn't ask, guys. He just did. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he took his wife. Now imagine the rumors here. This was not, this was not America in the 21st century. Can you imagine what people were probably going to say about him? Like if he actually took her as his wife? They say, I know why Joseph took her, took her as his wife. I know why he didn't divorce her. Because they, it's probably his kid. Or maybe, maybe it was one of those passing by Roman soldiers and Joseph's just trying to be a nice guy so he's going to take Mary anyway. You know what this says, guys? That he was willing to risk other people saying stuff about him. Wasn't he? He took her as his wife. And he just did. He didn't speak. 
He didn't ask questions. He simply did. Think back into uh, to Moses. Remember when Moses was in, he was in the wilderness and God came to him and God says, basically, I want you to go and lead my people out of Egypt. Number one superpower in the world at that time. Remember all the excuses Moses gave? One of them, I, I like this. In chapter 4, verse 10 of Exodus, Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow speech and of tongue. God, I, some commentators even think that he had a stuttering problem. He's like, God, I failed speech class. Anybody, y'all remember that? Having to take speech class? Right? Like praying on your way to speech class. Lord, I pray that you would just help me to, to be hit head on and take me home rather than get up in front of people. I heard a statistic one time that said uh, the top three fears in the United States are number one, public speaking. Is there anybody here that just freaks you out? All right? Too freaked out to even raise your hand. That's cool. It's public speaking, the dentist, and death. In that order. Public speaking, the dentist, and death. Right? Some of y'all are like, bro, I, would, I wouldn't mind dying in a dentist chair, but don't get me up in front of people and speak. I will fall over backward and hit my head and then die. Moses is saying, God, you want me to go and take a risk and go speak before Pharaoh like the, the leader of the greatest superpower on the planet? I can't talk. He had an excuse. But God says, that's okay, I'll send your brother. He knows, he knows how you talk and he'll talk for you. Moses is like, ugh! You know, God's like, I will use you. Think about another excuse of, uh, of Zechariah, the guy that we studied two weeks ago when the angel came to him and he said, Zechariah, you're a wife who is old. And Zechariah, remember guys, she's not old, she's advanced in years. Your wife will give birth to a son. In Zechariah, in verse 20 of chapter 1 of Luke, he says, How shall I know this? He questioned. Moses gave an excuse. I like to think of Joseph with his obedience. Man, he totally wore Nikes. Do you know that I've not been able, and some of you may be able to find this. I don't think I looked in in, in Bible dictionaries and, and concordances. I couldn't find a recorded word of Joseph anywhere in the Bible. But you know that he's considered to be a just and righteous man. Because please listen, he just did it. Look at the text again. Verse 24, he did. He didn't question. He didn't delay. He just did. So guys, if you're like, bro, I'm not a talker. Just do the gospel. Just obey. That's what he did. Is that a little too fired up for y'all? Some of y'all really look freaked out on that last one. You get used to it after a while. His thought process is basically this. God is the boss. I am His servant. He has commanded me. Therefore, I obey. You know what you see, Jeff? Bro, bro, I I don't know a lot about the Bible. You realize that what you need to know to start out on your journey to those mountains, you say, I know God's will is there. I know I'm going to follow Christ. What you have to know is that God is boss. Amen, church? Have we learned this? We're learning it. God is boss. He commands me. I'm His servant. If and when He commands me, I simply obey. And you will have such a a, a flow of freedom in your Christian life. Number three, not only was He willing to give grace, men, not only must we be willing to give grace, not only was He willing and not only did He take a risk. Guys, we must take risks. But number three, 
He must be willing. We must be willing to deny ourselves. This is curious. Go to verse 25 in the same chapter, Matthew chapter 1. I think we gloss over this. Notice what it says. But he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This word for know literally means it has the connotations of coming together in a sexual relationship. Let's just stop and think. Number one, the child was not his biologically. But he married her, but he did not have sexual relations with her. Those of you who are married, think back to the time that it was just... I hope it's the same, but you were, when you're, it's like, I, I'm, trying, I'm trying to walk a fine line right here and still get this across. Some of you have no, guys have no idea where this is going, but some of you do. This is in the text. If you get mad, it's okay. Um, there's plenty of boring churches. I have maybe within a driving distance of somewhere, and so you can go there and, and be, anyway, I'm getting in trouble now. So, um, when, if you're in the, if you're, let's say you're engaged, all right, you're engaged, and you're the guy, and your fiancé walks in, you're like, how you doing? I mean, it is like, you have got it going on. And she walks in, and she's like, wow. You know, and it's just, there's just a mutual attraction. He married her, but, but please, please, please hear this. He was willing to deny himself. And they probably got, when we think, they, they, got, they got married formally, except with the... Um, with the exception of consummating the marriage in a physical way, shortly after Mary conceived. So you're talking about months and months and months of being together when they could have physically made love, but He didn't. He's willing to sacrifice. Willing to sacrifice. Number four. Guys, we've got to be willing to obey without hesitation. Go with me also to verse uh, chapter 2, verse number 13. This is when Herod was going to kill all of the children in the town. And behold, they had departed. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Notice verse 14. Here we go. Joseph with his Nikes again. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. So he just did. He didn't question. He just did. He was willing to obey without hesitation. You see, now Jeff, let's stop right here. And how do I know it's God who's telling me to obey? Paris Reedhead, we've gone, we did this several months ago. I want to give it to you again. Three ways to um, have um, confirmation that the Lord is leading you to do something. Number one, ask the question, is this according to the Word of God? God, I think you're leading me to this. And whatever this is, does it match up with what Jesus already told us to do? Number two, is it in accord with the true desire of my heart? Deep in the, deep in the, in, in the I guess you could call it the basement of your life, those, those desires that kind of well up like, like, a, like a natural spring to truly serve God, is what this is, what I think God is leading me to, is it accordance to the desire that God has placed deep within me? And number three, what do you want to do? If all was provided and there were no restraints, what would you choose? Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 says, And let the peace of God reign or rule in your hearts. Now often, I think guys and ladies and everyone, what God wants us to do is really pretty simple. 
It's like, tell your neighbor about Jesus. Be willing to go on a mission trip. Give sacrificially. Pray. That person in your extended family who's absolutely nuts, like our illustration last week, the person that when they come to the family reunions, they're the one fighting everybody, right? That they get hauled off. Like those, those, those people, those people. You, y'all have names popping in your head, all right? You know what I'm talking Like those people, those people, some of y'all are acting. Those people that you would rather not even be around, God will bring it to your mind and say, have you released them and forgiven them? Finally, number five. Be a true man, you must be willing to commit and to stay committed. Notice back in verse 24, Joseph awoke from his sleep. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife. And he was there all the way through. What we, true, what we believe happened is that Joseph died sometime before Jesus made it to the cross. Because Jesus is there on the cross, and he looks, and his mother Mary is there. And what he does in a Hebrew type of way is he transfers the, um, the uh, I guess you could say, the care of his mother to John. And he says, Mother, this is your son. Even on the cross, Jesus took care of his mother. But what you see with Joseph, guys, is a silent type of doer who's willing to obey God. Guys, I want to encourage you, do not quit. Amen, ladies? All right, two. Amen, ladies? Because it's difficult in today's world for a man to commit and stay committed. We're given more excuses than there are mosquitoes in Virginia about why it's okay but to simply commit and then later uncommit yourself. Guys, if we commit, boy, by the grace of God, we can stay committed. Willing to commit and stay committed. Let me give you one last illustration that I believe brings this text home and then we'll get out. And some of you may still be able to meet the Methodist at the local place wherever you meet. Okay. The Peace Child. It's a great book. You can look it up on Google. There's a missionary couple that went to Papua New Guinea. <clears throat> this was when the Dutch were in control of it. And they were, they were uh, doing ministry with a, a tribe. And it was, the, it was a tribe that, that, that ate people, cannibals. They were headhunters. And when they went and tried to explain the gospel to this, this, this tribe, the tribe, this is, this is the conclusion they heard about Jesus and heard about the crucifixion. Guess who they thought was a good guy? Judas. Because notice, notice what happened. Judas was the guy who got paid. Jesus, Judas was the guy who did not get crucified. And their culture, everything was backward. And so these missionaries, they're trying to find a way. How do I explain the gospel to the way that these people can understand it? Until they started to study the wars that these tribes would have. If you were a tribe and you got into a particular war, the way that you brought peace, it was called the peace child. Missionary recounts, of observing there are these two, two tribes of warriors about to, to shed each other's blood. And one warrior with his, his son, his little infant baby, makes his way across the battlefield with his son and presents his son to the other side. And they receive the son because the way that the tribes thought is that if you are willing to give your son you're willing to make peace. And when he saw that, it clicked. Then he began to preach, Jesus is the peace child.
Amen, church? It's God's offer of His only Son to the Bible says, and please, if, if you've never been saved here this morning, the Bible uses a much strong, stronger word that many preachers do today. It says that you are the enemy of God in your mind through wicked works. God sent His Son by way of Mary in a virginal conception and a virgin birth. And He came into the world and God placed a silent... We don't know how much Joseph talked, but we simply know that He just did. And through His doing, we see a way that we can become a true man. And that when Jesus came into the world, it was God saying, here's my peace child. But here's the question. Are we going to accept Him? or reject Him. You say, Jeff, how do I know if I've received Jesus and truly been born again? You say, I've believed in Jesus. Question, are you still continuing to believe in Jesus? Jeff, I repented. Is there still repentance in your life? Are you still pursuing that mountain range of following Christ? If you're here today and you've never been saved, we're going to give you a chance to do that right now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, here on Father's Day in Franklin County, Rocky Mount, Virginia. For our guys and for our ladies and everyone here, if you are unsure, if you've been rocking back and forth between have I been saved, have I not been saved, did what happened to me when I was a kid, was that real? My life lately has been so jacked up, I don't really know. We simply know that the Bible calls us to commit. So right now, right now, Give your heart to Him. Repent. Turn from what you know is wrong. Turn wholly to Him. Being willing to give everything to Him. Just tell Him that. Just right now. Say, Christ, I give it to you. Take it. Take it. I believe. Tell Him. Jesus, please forgive me. There's a guy in the Bible who all he did was beat on his chest and say, God, be merciful to be a sinner. Jesus said he went away from the house of worship justified. He got saved. Just give it to him. If you've done that, we're going to have what's called an invitation in just a few moments. We're going to stand and we're going to sing. We're going to give you a chance to stand up for Jesus and not by coming down the aisle saves you, but by doing that, you're letting everyone know that this is where I stand today. It's a public acknowledgement to God and to the people that you're with. If you're here and you know that you know that the Lord would have you join, you want to be baptized, we encourage you to come as well. Be like Joseph and just do it. Father, we ask that you would take this time to your glory. And you would give us a spirit of obedience. In Jesus' name, amen.